This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by your K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Uldar, Min, and JR. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9, also known as Episode 53 of our K-Pop podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Seren. Do you mind introducing yourself to us? Sure. K-Pop Sunday 성취자 여러분, 안녕하세요. 저는 Seren이라고 합니다. 만나서 반갑습니다. So, hi guys, my name is Seren. I am Korean from Seoul, South Korea. I am a freelance translator and I literally grew up listening to K-pop. My favorite artists include Yoona and Block B, but I started delving into first-generation K-pop about three years ago. Cool. And the reason why Seren is here today is because she helped us write the script. She helped us with research, writing, and translation. All the good stuff. Yes. And without her, this episode would literally not have happened, at least not this year. So we are very thankful and love you so incredibly much. But today's topic is K-pop, the group. So let's just begin with who even was the boy group K-pop? K-pop was a five-member boy group that was active from 2001 to 2005. K-pop is commonly romanized as being K-apostrophe-pop, but their name was also sometimes written with a hyphen. The name K-pop was created by Ju Young-hoon. While on a business trip in Japan, he was inspired by the term J-pop and came up with K-pop as the Korean counterpart to the J-pop wave. This was the first example of the term being officially used in Korean music, as previously the term for the genre we know today as K-pop was referred to as Hallyu and or Gaio. This is why the music show, Inkigayo, is named as such, as the name literally means popular music. The group debuted from Mire Entertainment, which has no relation to the 4th gen boy group Mire. K-pop was the first and only group to debut from this agency. So, they released three albums during their time together. Their fandom's name was K-Popcorn, which also sometimes went by just popcorn, and their fan color was Pearl Peach. Their main producer was Ju Young-hoon, who is a legendary songwriter known for creating several hit songs, including Om Jong-hwa's Poison, KYT's Disco King, and Kim Jong-guk's Lovely, which was Ju Young-hoon's final hit song. He also had appearances on shows and even in movies like Emergency Act 19, where he played the traitor. In addition to writing music for K-pop, he was also the one who recruited the first member and leader, Jumin. So there were five members in K-pop, and their names were Jumin, Uhyun, Donghwa, Youngwon, and Yubin. Jumin was the leader, rapper, and vocalist, and he was also the oldest member. Before debuting in K-pop, he was originally trained to be in Shinwa, but he didn't make the final cut. He then worked part-time as a guest rapper for the late actor-slash-singer Choi Jin-young, who had debuted as a singer under the name of Sky and sang Eternity. The original rap intro of the song was provided by Kang Hyun-soo, who later went by the stage name of We Won. However, Jumin did the lip-syncing of the verse on live shows. This temporary gig was how he caught Ji-young's eye and subsequently became the first to be recruited. Uhyun was the second member to be joining the group. He was the lead vocalist, Mangne, and he was also an up-and-coming fashion model under Yeon Entertainment before he was introduced to them. He had a considerably solid fan base, some of which contributed for his individual popularity. Tonghua was the rapper and the third member to join. 
So his audition story is probably the most interesting among the stories over here because he was found by a waiter at a very famous Gangnam club called Boss. Jumin had asked the waiters at Boss to call him if they saw any good-looking guys, and then he got a call back saying that a very handsome guy had just stepped in. He went to Boss right away, and Dongha did his audition on the spot. So at this point, the group has two rappers and one vocalist, but now they needed a main vocalist. So Jumin reached out to Youngwon, who was literally his mother's friend's son. And Youngwon accepted the offer and became the fourth member to be recruited. And the final member to join was Yubin, the support vocalist. He also did a bit of rap and narration. Before he joined the group, he had been actually preparing to debut with another group called Clickbeat. There's also a snippet video from the year 2000 I found on the KBS News website where a pre-debut Yubin was walking down the street and getting approached by a casting director. Anyway, together, these five guys made K-pop. And K-pop debuted on September 11th, 2001 on Mnet's Show King M. Unfortunately, as of the recording of this episode, there is no footage of their debut performance available online. Their debut album was simply called K-pop. It had 13 tracks and an overall cohesive pop sound and a message about love, heartache, and realizations. The album cover is very simple, with pictures of the members against a black background with K-pop at the top in white letters. Stunning. Their debut song was 0.5. It's an edgy pop song that critiques Japan's revisionist history. While the official title was 0.5, it was often introduced as Banil on music shows because while it meant half one, it also meant anti-Japan. The music video for it shows the members going around various sites in Japan, including Shinjuku, the Kasukuni Shrine, and Sensoji's Temple. Between shots of these sites and the members dancing are clips of historic events that cement the song's message. If you're a history buff, you'll enjoy how many details are packed into this promotion. For example, for one performance on Inkigayo, the members wore jackets with details that look like the sun's rays. It was promoted from September through the end of the year. The follow-up track, that's often incorrectly remembered as being the title track, is Shadow. It's an attention-grabbing pop track with lyrics about a guy promising a girl everything if she accepts his love. It has the idea of him being her shadow and that he would be there for her. The music video is simple, with the members on a white set dancing in black outfits, spliced with clips of the individual members fooling around. It's very easy to identify who is who and therefore pick a bias. It's one of their most notable songs, and was promoted around the beginning of 2002. And the final song that the group promoted from their first album was Game. It's a very edgy pop track about a guy who has stopped having feelings for a girl and is telling her nothing lasts forever, love is over, let me go, and leave me behind in the beautiful memories. Unfortunately, there's no music video for this song, but because it was promoted in the spring of 2002, it was perfect for building hype around the 2002 World Cup. They also dress accordingly in soccer outfits. In addition to their music, the members were also busy with various activities. As a group, they became MCs of KMTV's show Music Tank from the start of 2002 to the end of February. K-pop also appeared on SBS's Thousand Songs Challenge. Additionally, Yubin started having solo activities, such as a supporting role on the popular sitcom New Nonstop. By the time they wrapped up their activities for their first album, they were off to a great start. 
Fans didn't have to wait long for K-pop to return with a new album. A few months later, at the beginning of October, their second album, See You at K-pop, was released. And for those of you who are aware of the convenience store, See You, in Korea, this has no relation to it because the convenience store, by that name, was not around then. The album had 13 tracks and is the only one of theirs that's available on Spotify and iTunes, which is rude because I love their first album the most. But compared to their debut album, their sophomore project sounds more laid back and has an overall theme of longing. It does have its moments of being bright pop, but those songs tend to have melancholy lyrics or a kind of sad underlying sound. The album cover shows the members with a blue gradient against a white background. The title track for this album is Mirage. It starts with a digital sound and the instrumental matches the intensity of the lyrics. The song is about a girl leaving and the guy is thinking the situation is a mirage. He wants her to come back and is struggling to accept the reality of her being cold to him. The music video for this song starts with a light-up motorcycle coming in against a clean digital background with a monitor flashing the group's name and lights, then transitions to the members singing. This cuts to them being outside standing in mud under the sun. Compared to their last music video, which was Shadow, this has a more somber, mature look. Side note, there's a music bank performance they did where they look like they're the kings of monochrome. The way they were styled tied into the album artwork really well. So they ended up promoting Mirage from October to pretty much the end of that year. The second song they promoted from the album was Youth, a positive, upbeat song about a guy who keeps hoping in love and happiness. Even though he knows it can go badly, he reasons that since he's young, he has time to try again. At the very beginning of the song, there is a sample of somebody speaking Chinese, and the voice says, Every year the seasons change in the blink of an eye, which is a really cute touch. The music video for Youth starts with the members resting at home after their schedules. They then decide to take a drive and go to the beach where they play soccer with some dogs and go fishing, and then they continue their winter road trip by going to a ski resort, to snowboard, ride around on snowmobiles, and fool around with sparklers. It's cheerful and matches the tone of the song very well. And the performances for youth are just as fun, as promotions for it started at the beginning of 2003, and they were able to perform at a ski resort, and the members were not taking themselves seriously at all, and doing things like giving each other piggyback rides, and a whole load of other shenanigans. It was cute. Unfortunately, promotions for youth were disrupted for one week, and they performed the B-side The Color of Love instead. Why? This is because February 18, 2003, a massive tragedy happened when two subway trains caught fire in Daegu. Due to this tragedy, 148 people were injured and 192 people perished. This came to be known as the Daegu Subway Fire. In response to the somber mood of the nation, artists started switching what songs they were going to be performing on music shows. For example, NRG sang Forgiveness instead of their title song, His Song, while MC The Max sang My Last Breath, which had been catching a bit more radio airplay during this moment, instead of Goodbye for a Moment. As for Five, they didn't switch up their songs, they still performed Girl, but they did not recruit any dancers and they sang without the choreography. They would just stand on the middle of the stage with stand mics. So for K-pop, they chose The Color of Love because it is a soft ballad song about two people who love each other, but they can't be together. Since the release of their second album, K-pop went through a lot. 
To begin with, they returned as MCs of Show Music Tank. Then, a few days after their comeback, it was announced on October 10th, 2002, that Mire Entertainment had been acquired by SM Planning. In addition, K-pop's main producer would be working with SM's producer, Yu Young Jin, in the future. However, as K-pop's next album would still list Mire Entertainment as the company that produced it, and it's not listed on SM's master list of CDs produced by them, it doesn't seem like SM considered K-pop as being one of their groups, even at a distance. Regardless, the group was still active and guested on shows like NBC's Match Made in Heaven, EBS's Scholarship Quiz, and Yubin even returned to Nonstop as a secondary character. However, the group had a rocky start to 2003. Most of the details we have of the incident in question come from fans who met with Wu Hyun and his mother afterwards. According to an article written by these fans, in January, the members of K-pop and their staff went out drinking at the farewell ceremony of their coordinator, Moonhee. People gradually left, and by 3 a.m., the only two members left were Wu Hyun and Youngwon. Youngwon's drinking habits were well known to his members, and by 3 a.m., Wu Hyun had had enough of him picking fights. Wu Hyun went outside to get a cab, but then was hit in the back of the head by Youngwon. Wu Hyun turned around and was hit again, then three more times when he was on the ground. Their staff came and split them apart, and then sent them off separately. From this incident, Wu Yan's mouth was visibly injured and his wrist had been hurt enough from his fall that he needed a cast. Nothing was said for about a week, but then eventually it was reported that Wu Yan had injuries from a car wreck. However, about four weeks after the incident, the truth that Wu Yan had been hit by a fellow member came out, and it was compared to the Sharp Affair. Even though the assault wasn't actually close to what happened in the other group, it didn't help that tensions between the two members of K-pop were drawn out due to Young One's apology being belated and perceived as insincere. However, eventually they reconciled on February 22nd, 2003, about a month after the incident happened, when K-pop held a free concert for fans, and that was where Young One publicly apologized to Woo Yun, who accepted it. In Korea, we have this term pusar, which is basically like bodhisattva. I don't know the exact religious term, but it refers to basically the Buddhist equivalent to a saint. I don't know what Uyan's uh, religion is, but yeah, it's like a lot of people were calling him pusar. Well, also didn't help that he, according to Uyan's fans, that Yongguan went to like a theme park and he was just chilling. Apparently, he'd like made right. his apology like very right. offhand originally right. and then he went off to have fun and everyone's like what are you doing you literally have a member in a cast and there's actually a music show i found where you can see Yun with the cast like it's pulled up yeah to where like it's supposed to look like his sleeve but that's a cast yeah and then Yun was traumatized to like enough that he actually requested a separate resting room like while well, they were on standby if you get hit by your fellow member for more than three times, like, it would be scary enough. Like, you wouldn't be... Comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So you would be really terrified for your safety. Especially when he kind of just blew it off. So even though Uhyun and Youngwon had reconciled, the group didn't release their next album until over a year later. In September 2004, K-pop returned with their third album, Memories. The overall theme and storyline are about parting while struggling to move on from the memories of being in love. By the end, it concludes with the guy accepting that he's doing the right thing and encouraging his former love to go to the person in front of her. 
The 15th and final track of this album is unintentionally a goodbye from the group because this became their last album. The title track for this album is The Scent of Memories, which is about a man reflecting on a past love. Like most of this album, this song sounds like it belongs on an OST for a heartbreaking drama. The music video matches this tone with the members on rooftop staring off into the distance with subdued expressions. This combined with shots of the members going to different places feels like they're walking through memories themselves. As for the live performances of this song, they were really something. On one hand, there's an SPS Ikengayo stage where you can see how much the group and their fans have grown, but then there's also an NBC Music Camp performance where Yubin has facial hair. There's certainly a range of emotions here, and this song was mainly promoted from September through the end of 2004. Another song that was promoted was Like a Movie. It's about a guy leaving a girl and her crying. It sounds like it's inspired by movies like Casablanca, where the guy is trying to sound super cool while saying goodbye to his love and telling her to forget him. A song from this album that we want to mention, even though it wasn't promoted on music shows, is Red Roses on Wednesday. It's about a guy wanting to give flowers to a girl to comfort her and make her happy. Even though it perfectly fits into the album's story, it's actually a remake originally released by The Five Fingers. So one fun fact about Five Fingers is that another signature song of theirs was remade during the second generation of K-pop. And that song was Balloons Pungsan by Dongbang Shingi. So if you're a TVXQ fan, you have some knowledge of the Five Fingers, whether you realized it or not. You've been tricked into liking great music. (laughs) (laughs) The final song from this release that we want to talk about is Lover Boys. In the middle of this OST-sounding album, is this hip-hop track just appears and it's about a guy being happily in love and boasting about how he's a lover boy and it was promoted through the spring of 2005 and ends up being the last song the group promoted together. So a few days before the start of 2005, an article came out and discussed what the members of K-pop would be up to in 2005. According to this article, they would be venturing into solo activities starting around February. Previously, Uhyun had started delving into acting through KBS's Drama City, and Yubin had been in Nonstop, Look For Us, and Solomon's Choice. As of 2005, Uhyun, Yubin, and Tonghua would be working as radio DJs, and Tonghua would also be venturing into acting. However, Chumin was considering enlisting in the military around that age, not surprising, while Youngwon's plans weren't announced. Before their solo activities took off, the group appeared on the health program Vitamin to talk about sugar addiction and on Nonstop 5 episode 83 as themselves. I think the Vitamin show is pretty funny because that was where they were going to see if Yubin had a sugar addiction. That would be funny. Yeah, um, I'm familiar with this TV show and they are thorough. Like They actually go to the hospitals to get like all the me- medical checkups and they grade each gets from not serious to very serious and they actually give consultations about how they can like change their diets. So it's good but I just love the idea of we as a nation need to know does Yubin have a sugar addiction? We are asking and we are going to publicly promote the results. Yubin cracks me up. (laughs) Can you tell he's my bias? He's my bias. <laughs> well, to be honest, he is—he was my bias as well when you know they were active. He is everyone's bias. Or Uhyun. <laughs> so funny. 
I was going to say, Woohyun is very popular, so is Jumin. Yeah. After promotions for Loverboys ended in June 2005, K-pop went quiet. Although their official fan cafe was full of replies that said that they would reunite and release a fourth album after the members had finished serving in the military, that didn't happen. Instead, the members quietly left one by one as their contracts expired. As there was never an official statement about K-pop's disbandment, the official date of when the group ended is unclear, besides being sometime after June 2005. After K-pop, the members went their separate ways. Jumin briefly returned on stage as a guest rapper in 2008 for Hong Kyung Min's promotion of Come Back to Me. As of 2020, he was a dance instructor in Songdo. By 2014, Woo Hyun had changed his name and started going by Shihun while he was on the NBC sitcom Mental Sasu. In 2018, it was revealed that he had been running a Japanese bar called Sosol in Gangnam for 10 years, but then it closed a few months later. Since that time, there's not been any update on what he's up to now. After Donghua finished his military service, he briefly ventured into acting. He also ended up leaving the entertainment industry, and as of 2018, he was the manager of the Hyundai Motor Studio Goyang. After K-pop, Yongwon didn't continue being an entertainer. By 2018, he was a general manager of an IT company in Pangyo. As of this year, he's running an eco-friendly slash sustainable lifestyle startup called Second Hero, which was founded back in 2020. And finally, in 2018, it was reported that Yubin ended up being the general manager of a steel manufacturing company. Then, on February 20th, 2020, he got married and the members were invited to his wedding. Together, all five of the members sang youth. But they didn't do the dance. They claimed they forgot. <laughs> but then again, it was... They claimed. Uh, <laughs> but then again, I guess they considered it could look a bit indecent to be wiggling their butts in front of the bride. Especially Yubin, <laughs> who was the most into it. <laughs> Well, that man has been off stage for so long, but he still knows how to look all cute and stuff. He yeah. he didn't age either. No, he didn't. So, you might have noticed that we've mentioned what most of the members were doing up until 2018. And that's because at the beginning of the year, they were summoned to reunite. On January 28th, 2018... K-pop appeared on the show Sugar Man Season 2. On that show, they performed Shadow Live. And this performance was different from the ones in the past because it was the first time they sang the whole unshortened song and, as well, as the first time Yubin got to sing his part. He admitted that he had previously lip-synced his lines and that they were actually sung by Youngwon. However, this wasn't really news to the fans because they figured it out pretty early on and it was a widely accepted theory that he joined the lineup after the recording of Shadow had finished. K-pop also performed a mashup of Scent of Memory and Youth, and aside from performances, the group also explained the history of the group and gave updates on what they were currently doing on the show. And this isn't where the reunion ended. On March 1st, 2018, the group held a fan meet. Unfortunately, Yubin wasn't able to attend due to work commitments, but the K-popcorns were still thrilled about getting a fan meet so long after the group had disbanded. The first song they performed was Shadow. The members entered the theater from the back and came forward to the stage to loud cheers. They seemed kind of surprised, but also happy to have had such a good reception. In addition, they also performed several songs, such as Like a Movie, Scent of Memory, Lover, which is a b-side from one of their albums, Mirage, and Youth. 
Besides singing, they also held a Q&A session for their fans. All in all, everyone seemed to have had a very good time. The last reunion the members had in 2018 was a boys trip. They went to Hanoi, Vietnam to celebrate their 20-year friendship. They did a short vlog of their experience where they can be seen enjoying swimming, drinking, and wandering around Hanoi. They included youth as the background track for it as well. Once again, Yubin wasn't able to make it due to work, so they FaceTimed with him. Considering that two years later they would reunite at Yubin's wedding, it's safe to say that even though it's unlikely that K-pop will return to the music industry, at least the members keep in contact and have a good relationship. And that should have been where the story of K-pop ends. However, chances are, if you've heard of the group before this episode, it's because of a rumor that two of the members used to date. This myth has been republished over and over in the last few years to the point where people think it's true. So, how did it start? Well, the earliest account we found goes back to January 22, 2007, about two years after the group went inactive. Someone made a post on a Daom cafe saying that they heard a rumor that Yongwan and Wuhyun fell in love pre-debut, and that the fight in 2003 had been the result of them falling out. The comments under the post are primarily of people cracking up and asking OP if it's true. It wasn't taken seriously at all, but what should have stayed as fandom speculation or tomfoolery went far beyond their community. Soon after, a reporter wrote an article on the rumor. While we couldn't find the original article itself, a fan's reaction to it was preserved. In their post, they wrote that they were annoyed with the fight being brought up again just to drag the members. Importantly, they said that considering the reporter's bad reputation, they doubted the claim that the fight was caused because of a relationship. Also that year, possibly the same reporter brought the fight up again. This time, the article had a focus on the morals of idols who trained and debuted in their teens. Even though the relationship theory wasn't brought up, the article included Youngwon as an example of idols who have done bad things. So a few years went by and it seemed like people had moved on. K-pop was long gone by that point and there was no reason for them to be mentioned again. However, in 2011, more Korean commenters started spreading the rumor again and speculating about it. Unfortunately, this time, more people were questioning it as if it was true because they remembered the posts and articles from 2007. Even though there was no new information and the past posts and articles had never been corroborated, people still bought into it. And this leads us back to K-pop's appearance on Sugar Man. While the full episode isn't readily available to viewers outside of Korea, and JTBC only uploaded partial clips on YouTube, international viewers started hearing about the group and went digging. This led to people translating the dating rumors and spreading them to the international community. From there, articles on sites like Koreaboo and All K-pop came to be, and over time, many international fans of K-pop music, no pun intended, started believing it was true. When tracing this rumor, I found two things. First, there was already a vibrant international community for K-pop back in the day. I found Japanese fan sites from 2002, fans in the US, as well as the English fan site kpopfighting.net that had been around since 2005. I've seen some English sources say that K-pop was short for K-population, but according to the notice on the front page of the archive site, it says, quote, K-population is here for K-pop fans who do not speak Korean and may have a hard time finding things on the band, unquote. 
So that might be where they got the term from, but they also might have just come up with it on their own and not known that the fan site was already using the term. And secondly, the original Korean and international K-pop fans didn't seem to be the source of the dating rumors. It seems to have come from people talking about it a few years post-disbandment. Even though a lot of the fan sites and posts are gone and haven't been archived, with the way that the posts in 2007 were received, it doesn't seem like it was a thing before then, which debases the rumor even further. So if you came into this episode wondering if the dating rumors were true, just know that it started from rumors, people hearing stuff, then it spread to journalists who didn't have a great reputation for the facts, then to netizens to the point where it's become an urban myth. It's like one giant game of telephone over a number of years. It's actually why this episode came to be in the first place, because it's been reposted over and over, and with the members mostly being private citizens at this point, it didn't sit well with us for this still to be brought up and written about as though it's true, because why? <laughs> Once again, there was nothing was ever corroborated. There was never any statement from anybody. It was just, oh, I heard this, and then people kept reposting it. No, and the members didn't even come out anyway. Yeah, like, even later, it, the whole thing is ridiculous. And as far as I know, Youngwon was in a relationship with a girl right before they released their third album. Like, one of the store owners of this convenience store that members drop by often uh, witnessed it. And then they broke up shortly before the third album was released, and Youngwon was, like, visibly shaken from it. So I guess he's not gay, at least. Or at some point, if he ever was, and just why would he tell the public? Of course, all of his stuff is privated. There's a point to where you are just speculating, and you do not know him, and he has not released any of that information, so what are you doing going around telling people, releasing articles, and spreading it as though it is? What are you doing? So, always consider the source. That's what. Yeah. That's the main takeaway from this, is consider the source. Yeah, take everything with a grain of salt. If it's not backed by literally anything, except anonymous users saying I heard. Yeah, I really hope that like the listeners here don't harass the members' uh, Instagrams after this because it's very rude. And like to be honest, I don't even know if the members are aware of this rumor. And like, and if they don't know, I don't want them to find out because it can be like tarnishing. Well, also just the fact: why are you bothering them after all this time? They've moved on. Yeah, like they these are. Mainly private, once again, private citizens. Yeah, and I, I really don't see the reason to bring this up to, like, to the members after all those years. So, well, just know that the rumors will always be rumors. And you have to consider what really happened. Anyway, I guess that's pretty much everything we have to say. Yeah. So, to wrap this all up, I just want to say a big thank you to Saren for working with us. It was really yep. fun. Thank you so much for My joining pleasure. us on this episode. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> we had to bring in one of the big guns from the first-gen community to handle this. <laughs> that was how difficult this was <laughs> to research and how important this was. Because including you, there were also a couple of other people who were sounding off about this and who have been for a number of years. Yeah. Who've just been so fed up. Yeah. So we're like, once and for all, we are doing the research. And where did this rumor come from? We are putting it down. We are also wanting to get people into the music because really... K-pop had a lot of great music. Go listen. Especially Shadow. Excellent. And uh, and this whole rumor just 
like overshadows everything the group contributed to the industry. And I wasn't aware of this rumor either until one of my moots like asked me if it was true. Like I was like, what? And I had to do my own research, but then it just turned out to be rumors turning into another rumor. And I was like, okay, this really needs to be straightened up. And I, well, to be honest, I can't believe I'm doing that right now. One, thank you for having me because this has been like a really fun experience and I would love to do this kind of project again in the future. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. Yeah. It has been a wild ride. So please, JR, take us away. Let us end this. Let us go to sleep. <laughs> love you, JR. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSumbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.